the problem with those homes is that they aren't solving architectural problems. They sell architecture in quotes as the skin of the building. Yeah. Yeah. And and that is what you, typically what people think of when they think of architectures. They think of style. Right. And not not necessarily how to live with less or functional solutions yeah. to the problems that they that we have just living. Uh it, it's just a a checklist of it has this many rooms, there are this many square feet. Right. And and th- yeah, we, it solves we, those problems. We we could um, you know deconstruct a little bit about what's wrong with all that. You're hitting on one of the things like the house is driven by a feature list. You know, does it have right. a tray ceiling? Does it have a garden tub? You know, <laughs> does it have a you know all of these like terms? Like I, I like, yeah. one of the things I fight with in my practice is sort of undoing these these marketing terms that people have sort of taken in and it, it, it internalizes. This is what houses are about, isn't it? Welcome to the Archispeak Podcast. I'm Evan Troxell. Each episode, Neil Pan, Cormac Phelan, and I have a casual conversation about all things architecture, and we invite you to listen in as we talk about everything in the profession, both the good and the bad. Maybe you're considering a career in architecture, you're still in school, or you've been around the blocks of Corbusier's City of Tomorrow more times than you'd like to admit. Join us in the studio as we stand around the water cooler and talk about why we love our chosen profession. It's time for some Arcaspeak. Welcome to episode 66 of the Arcaspeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And first up, this episode of Arcaspeak is sponsored by Arcat. Visit them at arcat.com. We're also sponsored by Architect Exam Prep. Help yourself pass the ARE by visiting our Pass the Architects Registration Exam page at arcaspeakpodcast.com slash ARE and use the link there to purchase your study guides. So this week, we actually have a guest. Everybody say welcome to Greg Lavadera. Welcome. Uh, Put in some fanfare there. (laughs) <laughs> wow thanks thanks yeah Hi. <laughs> welcome greg to the show thank you wow this is a this is exciting because i'm a longtime listener from when you guys started and uh, this is really really exciting to be here it's exciting for us too and and i would thank you for all of your uh support in the past for sure of the podcast and your Commenting on the site, that's a huge help to us uh, as yeah. well. I think just keeping the conversation going after the show and putting your experience out there has been something that a lot of people have appreciated, not only us, but, uh, but definitely appreciated on our, on our end of it. That's great. Well, one of the reasons we wanted to have Greg on the show is, uh, I believe it was last year, and if I had done my homework properly, I'd, re- I'd know which uh, episode number that was, but uh, we did an episode uh, where we... We poked a little fun or, or uh, had a little conversation about the Hanley Wood uh, video where they um, were kind of bashing the AIA and, and architects in general uh, a little bit uh, and selling plans and uh, online. And uh, that's something that Greg does. And so we, we wanted to have Greg on to talk a little bit about the whole concept of 
selling plans online and and kind of also too would like to revisit that perspective of of what uh what we thought of that Handley Wood video and to really kind of get into uh, the whole question about selling plans online and, um, and then from Greg's perspective, get the, ex- his experience of, of what it's like to do so. And uh, what are the, what are the benefits and, and uh, pitfalls that he's found uh, over the time he's been doing it. Yeah. That, that Hanley Wood piece, I've got a car alarm going uh, yeah, it's real life. It's okay. That's all right. <laughs> it's done. So that Hanley Wood piece was, you know, that irked me as much as as anybody else, simply because Hanley Wood is the sort of the anointed publisher of the magazine that the AIA includes with your membership, um, you know, and the AIA has special sections in that magazine where they can communicate directly to their members. So, you know, at one level, you know, Here's his partnership with Hanley Wood and the AIA. And then at the other level, Hanley Wood has an enormous houseplant business. And part of their marketing for that houseplant business is they were saying, don't go out and hire an architect, buy houseplants from us. You know, and the the conflict of interest there is just so, uh, so raw. But, you know, to, to give them a little bit of credit, they're, they're, broken into divisions and you know the person who's running their marketing for house plans is not talking to you know the person that's in charge of their relationship with the AIA but um not to apologize for them because that that you know in general bothers me uh, a tremendous amount I I don't think that Hanley Wood was the ideal choice to be the AIA partner not just because of the house plans I mean they publish magazines for builders and developers and the whole host of other um, people yeah. in the construction industry and I, I find it really difficult to believe that they can earnestly serve all of those interests without conflict yeah but the question is is how how well are they serving any of them but that's a different that's a different conversation. <laughs> I think they're serving many of the others very well. <laughs> yeah, I would also interject that that uh, if if you can't, if we see that from our position, them not serving the architects as well with that other video. But it, it pro- there's probably some of the exact same thing happening the other way around. Um, so yeah, perhaps. So yeah, I, I agree. It's it's not a ideal partnership when they have to serve so many. Uh, conflicting uh, industries. I mean, they're not really conflicting, but they're also fighting for some similar territory. And especially with the, sorry, I was was just going to say, especially with that specific issue that we brought up back then with the video, not only do they have, I mean, here's a company who's making, as Greg said, quite a bit of money off of their house plan division. And they're basically going out and telling everybody, Buy our house plans. You don't need an architect. Oh, by the way, we also represent architects in some form of capacity. And it's just like, this isn't quite sitting well with all of us architects. And it just kind of, you're right, it kind of irked everybody. Yeah. Well, you know, the other side of it is I, I, it, it was a negative way uh, for them to promote house plans. I, I think in <laughs> reality, there's, there's, there's not a tremendous amount of overlap between the kind of customer that's going to buy a house plan and the kind of customer that's going to hire an architect to design a custom house. There's, there's such a disparity in the level of commitment and the expense in those two options. You're really not, it's like the difference between selling somebody a motorcycle and selling somebody an automobile. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
so in, in reality, there's really not that that conflict in 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 the marketplace. But what they were doing was sort of denigrating architects and what we do in order to make what they're trying to sell seem more appealing. That that that, yeah. that was really what what the problem was there. So you know, to me, part of, part of the the, the solution for that is for architects to become more active and go in and and uh, own more of the houseplant business. <laughs> yeah, I agree. With you. <laughs> well, and I think well, that a lot of architects, like like myself, who you know, I grew up basically in the '80s. This is the this is how I got first interested in this. I used to go to the magazine aisle, and I wasn't looking at at the the BMX magazines or the, you know, whatever, whatever there else was, um, skateboarding magazines, even though I did get into that later on. But my first kind of exposure was finding houseplants in Sunset and uh, finding houseplant books, you know, or magazines, and and just tracing over them or trying to draw them myself. And I yeah. that was really something that, that interested me as a kid. And so I think that we all kind of, at least in my age group, uh, kind of think back fondly upon the whole uh you can buy a magazine full of plans like that was that was basically porno for me as a kid (laughs) (laughs) this is something really unique to to um the american housing market um you know in europe you don't find house plans for sale like that there's house manufacturers that publish catalogs right um but not plans that you would buy and then you know go out and you know find somebody to build for you. So there's a unique um, unique market situation in the United States. Um, but now here here's the the thing. I mean, as architects, we often you know like to complain about the the uh, poor state of design in the housing industry. You know, the houses that are designed and built and sold for the most part. We don't think the design is very good. Um, you know, it's um, drifted away from a, a, the authenticity of historic styles, and it's sort of its own thing right now. Um, uh, I, I, I don't even know how, how to describe it or what to call it, um, but we all know it's not architecture. <laughs> right, right. It's so, buildings. you know, we want to influence that and change it in some way. And, you know, house plans happens to be something that the marketplace understands really well. You know, any person you talk to understands that you can go out and buy a house plan somewhere and build a house that way. The consumer really doesn't, I mean, they know you might be able to hire an architect, but they really don't understand much about that process. And it's, it's usually, you know, if you've ever had a new client, that's always very new to them. I was going to, sorry, I didn't mean to catch up, but I mean, what, what is the... You know, what is their first perception? You know, oh, well, you know, either an architect's difficult to work with, I don't know how to work with an architect, or they're really expensive. And people who are looking to buy house plans typically aren't looking to spend a lot of money. Correct. And so that's why when, you know, I was listening to you talk about the design and how we kind of need to retake that, the lead in that, you know, and you're doing a great job of that, is, you know, we're... You know, a lot of architects look down at people who are making other architects who are doing house plans and catalogs and things like that are like, ugh, and you're just catering to kind of like the lower common denominator type thing. And missing the whole big picture that you just illustrated is 
we lost control of of residential design on the numerous economic scales of things. Yeah, they're going to people are going to go and they're going to buy the expensive house. They're going to get an architect to design the most expensive houses. But what sure. about the blue collar worker? I mean, one of the reasons why I got into architecture growing up as a kid who parents uh, came through grandparents, parents uh, were all worked for uh, they were auto workers, so they couldn't afford architects. But I wanted to be able to be somebody who an architect who is accessible to people who couldn't afford an architect. Right, you know. And, and, and that, the, go ahead. I was to say that those houses that, that, you know, people are left with to have a choice to buy, I mean, they've sort of drifted away from, uh, you know, the traditions and the precedents of, of, you know, houses that we see, you know, that are historic houses. I mean, right. it even doesn't go back that far. You know, you go back to, you know, before World War II, mm-hmm. the housing stock was, you know, very well designed and, you know, sort of very authentic in, in its stylings or, you know, very creative in, in its, um, you know, the way it appropriated historic styles and reused them. Um, and it starting like in, in, you know, the 50s, uh, you know, what broke from that was sort of the, the mid-century movement in the United States. And, but that that sort of, you know, had its place and then sort of Let's say failed, but but sort of ended, right. and then we ended up with you know uh, we had broken all the rules now and sort of all the old ways were you know were open to not following them anymore. So what emerged from that was this sort of its own thing like housing, which wasn't uh, you know any of the architectural uh, uh, threads that we had all you know through history before that, and and it's sort of gone off in its own direction and. It's being dictated by other forces than design. You know, it's being yeah. dictated by the economics of building, the expediency of, mm-hmm. of getting materials. You know, it's really being dictated by the lowest common denominator in many ways to make building easy for the builders and uh, easy for the sellers. You know, yeah. where there's nothing distinctive about any of the houses. You know, a real estate agent can sell you any house because. More or less, they're they're all alike. You know? Right. There's some, right. there's region, regional styles. You know, if you're buying a house in the south, it's probably going to be a slab on grade. You know, if it's in the northeast, yep. it's probably going to have a basement. You know, out west, there's this you know sort of this little Spanish tradition. So there's there's um, um, you know uh, styles that reflect that. But but you know the architecture is sort of gone from from the housing yeah. industry, yeah. In the largest part. And yeah, really, all houses, of- all that Those houses just, are being designed by architects. They, they're just working for builders, or they, they are, if they are working for themselves, they're completely you know, at the whim of the builders that want these things that are uh, you know, congruous with the market. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think what sets architecture apart from, from that kind of stuff is solving problems for individuals, right? So if you're buying a tract home, you're just trying to find something that fits your life as as good as as good as you can. It's it's like buying a Toyota Camry. It's it's made for for any man versus made to fit like a glove for you in particular. It seems like what you're doing, Greg, with Lamy Design is it's it's a kind of in the middle of those two things. It's right. it's architecture. It's it's way more architecture for not as big of a market, right? It's still not right. as big of a market, but it's a lot more architectural. And I think the other thing about what you were talking about with the regionalism is that the problem with those homes is that they aren't solving architectural problems. They sell architecture, in quotes, as the skin of the building. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and that is what you, typically what people think of when they think of architectures. They think of style right. and not, not necessarily how to live with less or functional solutions yeah. to the problems that, they, that we have just living. Uh, it, it's just a, a checklist of it has this many rooms, there are this many square feet, right. and, and th- yeah, we, it solves we, those problems. We we could um, you know deconstruct a little bit about what's wrong with all that. You, you, you're hitting on one of the things like the house is driven by a feature list. You know, does it have right. a tray ceiling? Does it have a garden tub? You know, <laughs> does it have a you know all of these like terms? Like I, I like, yeah. one of the things I fight with in my practice is sort of undoing these these marketing terms that people have sort of taken in and it, it, it internalizes. This is what houses are about, isn't it? You know, yeah. a garden tub and a tray ceiling in the master bedroom, like. I, well, I don't even know what those on, things are. On top of that, I think <laughs> yeah. the Home Depot, you know, just just by having materials on display right, for for everybody instead of lumber yards that just to, used to be for contractors, right? Um, yeah. Now we have Home Depot where you granite countertops is like one of the selling <laughs> points, right? Yes, exactly. And, and, and so the surface material of a countertop is now a major selling point in oh, yeah. a yeah. piece of yeah. architecture, again, in quotes. What, what's the first thing a realtor says? And it has granite countertops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, home and garden television and all of that uh, sort of shelter television has, yeah. you know, it's been a boon at one point, has raised, made people more interested, but at the same time has, you know, you know, reinforced a lot of these, uh, you know, horrible notions. You know, you look at the floor plans, you know, um, you use a 45 degree angle to make a floor plan more interesting, but yes. there is no insight as to, you know, what that means in <laughs> 3d space. Um, and, and that comes across in all the marketing because uh, any mainstream house plan vendor sells a house plan on a floor plan and a pretty sketch of the front yep. of the house. Yep. And there's no effort to communicate what the interior of the house is and, there's no concern what, about what the other three sides of the house look like because it doesn't matter and nobody's thought about it. And, yeah. uh, well, know, the other so, three sides don't have curb appeal. Right? Yeah, but, it, <laughs> right. but it's got granite countertops and three bedrooms, two yeah. baths. Well, the, the, the detriment also I think that I see in the creep of this is that um, because builders are building commercial projects that I work on that have also done residential. So on one side, they're adding in 45 degree angles into the, the walls and they're adding in coves and all these things. But then when it comes to a commercial project like I'm working on or a, a public project, uh, as soon as you do something like that for a real reason, mind you, uh, it's like, why are you doing that? That's too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's yeah. biting us because, because they don't want to build anything that is too hard to build. Right. But you see these types of things all day long as bells and whistles on top of house plans to, to sell more of those. Well, you know, and architects, uh, we're guilty of this in some level too, because when you do have a client for a custom house and, you know, it has a, um, you know, a budget that allows you to do, um, nice things. We, we end up very often falling back on materiality, like what makes this house yeah. impressive or, um, you know, custom ends up being, you know, the really nice siding material that's used, you know, or exotic siding material or, you know, the, uh, the beautiful materials that go into the custom fittings on the inside, you know, and in some ways that that's like 
a symptom of the same kind of you know psychosis <laughs> as yeah. as this mainstream. You know, I think that's uh, what's so appealing about like the old uh, Neutra houses and the Schindler houses and stuff. They were built out of extremely simple materials. They didn't rely on that. I mean, it was plaster and sticks, but they were really able to work with form and light and space to create these amazing places to live. And I don't think they're appreciated by most people, but to somebody like me, they were able to, they were able to pull off. They were able to get away with some pretty amazing stuff with really cheap materials. And I think there's a huge lesson for architects there. It speaks directly to what you were just saying. Yeah. Right. And that, let, let, let's let that take us back to, to the initial question that you posed is like, what, what is this middle ground where we can enter this marketplace? Architects, can be very good at you know leveraging um, the quality of the space and the design that doesn't necessarily have to rely on the materiality. That's that's where we can um, deliver value to the plan customer that these other designers that don't really know how to design or don't really know architecture. I mean, yes, some plans are being are being um, designed by architects. Many of them are, but there's also Many other plan designers that don't have a formal architectural education, and um, you know, a lot of them are responsible for many of the banal um, house designs you see in plan catalogs. So, how do we do that? You know, and um, you know, ultimately, again, I just want to qualify that doing house plans is 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 one way to try to address the housing market. I I am eager to see another architect come up with a different business strategy, a different um, business model to, you know, um, influence the market and change it. But when I came to it, house plans seemed like an obvious way, uh, you know, to try to influence the market because, again, it was a well-understood vehicle for delivering house designs to consumers. So, so what do we do? I mean, and what I chose to do is to, is to focus on a niche and an in, in, in interest point where people m- might be willing to depart from you know, standard houses, uh, the standard way to buy a house and acquire a house, to build something that they were really interested in. And so for me, it, it centered around modern design. You know, Modern houses are not something that's readily available. You, if you go out to uh, you know, a real estate agent or a developer, and I know the West Coast is a little bit different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a lot of mid-century building, you know, Los Angeles, San Diego, those places have, you know, a enviable, um, you know, modern house market. But in the East Coast, um, there are little pockets of mid-century modernism. Um, and now as that's sort of become popular, those houses have enjoyed, you know, a lot of building of value. But um, some people want a new house. They don't want to buy an old house. They don't want to you know, deal with the wiring. They don't want to deal with the repairs. And, you know, so so there is... There is a um, you know a marketplace for people who want to build a new house who are interested in modern houses. Maybe somebody that subscribes to Dwell or Metropolitan Home, or you know, <clears throat> or watches you know Home and Garden TV to you know to see modern houses. And so that that was sort of the, the niche market that I um, decided to go after. Now there's there's lots of other niches that can be defined and pursued that way. You know, there's um, people that are extremely interested in, you know, historic neighborhoods. 
um, colonial houses, uh, Victorian houses, craftsman houses. You know, you can look at the, you know, go to the bookstore and look at the magazine rack and you'll see titles addressing these niche interests, you know, whether it's American Bungalow Magazine or uh, Victorian Home Magazine. So there's all these other niches out there where you can find people that will be interested in houses that address that special interest. And these are things that the house, the house plan industry really aren't addressing. Um, you know, so, so this is, a, you know, an architect's opportunity because we're very facile at designing, um, you know, things that are very authentic and, and uh, um, can respond to these interests. And the house plan industry, either that's too small a focus for them um, or they don't really have the talent to do that. So we can, we can introduce uh, better quality design to these niches and find, and find a, a market and a following there. Um, and things that, that we can develop through you know, um, the Internet and the use of social media, all the things that you, know, you guys have talked before about with promoting your practice. I think that there's other opportunities, too, out there for architects. So there's this kind of fundamental baseline that we should establish, which is people are, and we've talked about this, but people are way more comfortable buying something than buying a process uh, because the process is very unknown, right? So if they're buying a physical thing, they, they do that all the time, right? And people make large purchases and they make small purchases, but they do it all the time. And it's the known. And because of that, typically the relationship is established between uh, consumer and provider during the the pre-buy process, but then as soon as they buy the thing, the relationship ends, right? Right, unless there's some kind of warranty period or something like that, which and and then it's only on an as-needed basis. I think architects could be a lot more proactive in the time period after the thing is bought. So if it's house plans or if it were whatever it is, if it's uh, if it's an actual spec home that's been designed and built. Um, I think that there's a huge market because of our expertise and how these things age and how you have to take care of them. Every homeowner knows that it kind of sucks to own, own a home, right? Because <laughs> you have to fix the thing when it breaks. The water heater goes out. You have to fix it right then. I think that there's a lot of opportunity in there for architects to design a life cycle for these products that you that either you sell on your site, Greg, or that that you know some other architect could come up with to help homeowners with that process. So maybe they buy a smaller house and they want to add on in the future. Maybe that's something that they, you know, they would actually want to go back to that architect to do because well, they would be the ones who know that thing so intimately. Frank did it. <laughs> same with maintenance. Same with all of this stuff that, that just comes along with homeownership that is normally just completely left up to the owner and well, their trip to Home Depot or whatever. Look, I think that that's... a, a completely legitimate, you know, way to, um, you know, distinguish an offering, uh, and offer more value to the consumer. I mean, it's not only about, uh, different architectural styles. I mean, you're talking about, um, you know, offering a, a an ongoing relationship, um, you know, becoming a resource for the homeowner over their, their time, um, owning the house. Yeah. That that's a, a tremendous value statement to make, you know, to somebody that's going to buy a set of house plans to you. So I think it also you know, just gives a ton of peace of mind to the person who's buying it to know that 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 there's that thing to fall back onto. 
Yeah, and, and they, that that yeah, yes, you're you're going to build a house from this, and I'm going to you know be there standing behind the way it's going to perform for you. You know, over time, um, you know, you're going to have uh, resources if you have questions later on. I mean, you know, this is the kind of creativity that I think needs to be applied to the housing market. You know, it's not it's not just uh, you know superficially the styles of the house. Um, and I think, you know, we have to be creative about how we make those propositions. And, uh, um, you know, this is the way that we can um, start to take more control of the house plan market. It's also going to take some guts. I think a lot of architects are so shy because of the liability of certain aspects of what we do that, like, that's the last thing somebody wants to do is <laughs> maintain a relationship where they're responsible for the performance of a home. Um, but I really think that that's what is going to start to create a place for architects to operate in which nobody does that right now, right? It's If anybody does that, it's warranty services or some kind of a policy where, again, it's just on an as-needed basis. But if we were a lot more proactive in that space, I think that, the again, that would just bring a lot of peace of mind, and it, but it would also open us up to having to stand by our word and by our designs so that uh, we can support them well into the future because these homes last, right? And so, yeah. or they should. Um, a lot of them don't, and, and that's a big problem. And that's why people don't want to buy older homes. I mean, I'm in a home built in 1947, and the plumbing is a nightmare. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if, if I can buy a home where when I have a question, there's, there's a way for me to get an answer and to, to get the right answer quickly. Yeah, that, I, you know, I don't awesome. know... I don't know if you're creating a warranty service as much as, you know, just a, um, you know, the, the, the sense that, that you always have the, the designer there as, as, as a, uh, you know, resource and reference. Um, I kind of yeah, think I of it think, as like the genius bar in an Apple store, right? Where right. you can just go in and you can get service and they're going to help you out as much as they can for free. And if something costs, it costs, but they're not trying to get you to spend more money. Um, they're just trying to, Make sure that you're happy with Did what you you've satisfaction got. of your purchase. Yeah. yeah. Now you know it's it's hard to 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 come in and say that um, you know you're going to stand behind the work in a certain way. I mean, when you sell house plans, you know some of those customers disappear and and you never speak to them again. You know, and then right. at least for me, and then others I you know I'm able to um, you know create a relationship with and and uh, watch them build their house. <clears throat> give them advice along the way, but <clears throat> it's not like a, you know, a custom commission. You have very little, you know, to, I shouldn't even say very little. You have no control over the contractor. You have no, you know, influence over the outcome of the building of that house, except what the, the owner might invite you to give feedback or input or have a question. So, <clears throat> It's really a much different, it plays out much differently than, um, you know, the way a custom commission does. I mean, a lot of what you were describing would actually be a great, a great service that you could offer on top of a custom commission. Yeah. Um, but, <clears throat> but the way that that, that might happen on, on a house plan is, is different. I mean, if you, if you were um, um, partnering with a manufacturer, a modular builder, or, you know, uh, if, if, housing in, in America ever moves more to an industrial, um, you know, model, then there might be opportunities to have partnerships with, with, uh, with fabricators. And then you could have sort of have that, you know, cause then you would have 
tremendous amount of assurance and control over over the product that was being delivered. But <clears throat> I mean, this is this is one aspect of you know of selling house plans. I mean, to to move away from the discussion of the the uh, the market in general to mm-hmm. to the dynamic of selling house plans, it's very contrary to what architects are used to. I mean, we are used to micromanaging and you know specifying every last you know little bit that goes into a building. But house plans, you can't do that. I mean, if you right. are super specific in a house plan, it's actually a liability. Yeah. Every customer has a different yeah. budget. And, you know, if if the only way that house is going to turn out and look nice is if they're, you know, using, um, you know, uh, charcoal seared cedar siding, you know, done in the Japanese style. <laughs> if, that's, if that's the real hook that makes this a good house, then... You know, chances are that's not going to play out like that with with many customers. And and you know, so the so, trick is to design something that, like again, back to the Neutra example, <laughs> that works regardless of like level of finish or materiality um, right. from an architectural standpoint. Right. So you yeah. got to figure if that house is built with vinyl siding and vinyl windows, is it still going to look good? Yeah, and, and the only way to do that is not to manage it, but to actually design it really well. I mean, right. it does come and, does fall back on design completely at that point. Exactly, because you're design in this case now you're designing a product, right? right? And and the product is a design. It's not a house. And that's, that's sort interesting. of like yeah. a subtle difference. Yeah. So so you have to have a you know a house that um, when you're when you're deciding what the windows are like, you're not looking at one manufacturer and leveraging you know the best strengths of that window manufacturer's product. To you know, do something great with the windows. You're looking at the window industry in general, saying, "I need to do something that you you would be able to successfully create with almost any window manufacturer." Yeah, it's like a prescriptive right. spec, right. <laughs> right? Yeah, and I mean, and a very you know a very general one because you you know still some you know window frames. If you're talking about vinyl, some are stronger than others. Some can't do really large frames, you know. Mm-hmm. So you, you you have to you know think about the constraints because you don't know what products are going to be incorporated into the build. So, you're you're more saying things like you could have a variety of different windows that you plug into this hole, but what I'm saying is this hole for to look good in this building needs to be X dimension by X dimension and laid out in this fashion so that it's got the rhyme, the rhythm and everything else. But what you put in there isn't necessarily the end goal. It's, it's the assemblage of how it works, right? Yeah, exactly. And you know, what's the house going to be clad with, you know, is it going to be wood siding? Is it going to be cement siding? Um, so you have to like, you know, like if the, the, the look, the appearance, at least the way you represent it has to be um, kind of universal. Dist- yeah, distilled enough that you can achieve that with a number of different materials. So, so that said, once the plan goes out to somebody, they're going to do, you know, something that you never expected. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so our whole sort of DNA is like to, you know, control the outcome. And, and this is like a different state of mind when you're doing house plans because you send those set of prints off and you don't know what the outcome is going to be like, whether you're even going to like it. And um, you have to be okay with that. You, know? you have to sort of let yeah. go. Right. And, yeah. This yeah. is an, another analogy to take it back to Apple again. I know. Sorry. But um, it, when they first designed the iPhone, I mean, there were no third-party applications or developers for it, right? So they put this thing out there and said, here it is. And then everybody kind of clamored for 
the ability to create applications for it. Because they basically said, and maybe I'm confusing um, the iPad and the iPhone launch, but it was like, here's this thing. Uh, we don't know what you're going to use it for uh, to some level. Like, obviously, it has some basic functions that that they were trying to to position it to solve. But once developers got a hold of it, you know, once a builder gets a hold of your plans or a, a client gets a hold of your plans, they are going to use it in ways you never thought of. And some of those things could be amazing. And right. some of them can be really bad. I mean, we've seen <laughs> applications that are terrible and we've seen some that change our lives. So I think it's, it's a similar analogy in the way that we do have to be okay with that. We have to provide a framework for them to make it theirs. Right. So, that, so you have to have a design. So now this is, this is where we get down to you know, the challenge of this. You know, architects like to dismiss houseplants and say, that's not architecture. You know, with architecture, you have, you have a client and they have needs and we're designed to meet them. And there's a site and the house has to you know, be designed to respond to that site. And that's what architecture is. House plan is not that. And, and rather than arguing that point, I say, you're right. It's not that. It's, it's not architecture. It's product design. Mm-hmm. And the thing, the thing that you have to realize is that is a very compelling design challenge. Every bit as challenging as trying to you know, meet and, and, and be um, exceptional at, at, at meeting a specific client's needs. Because now you're, you're trying to design something that has an inherent flexibility um, that, that can meet the needs of, of a diverse group of customers and that can be successfully built at a range of budgets with a range of quality materials and still come out with, with a house that people feel you know, is the product that they bought off of your site. You know? So that, that's a really compelling design challenge. and. Yeah. and um, not something that I think you can, you know, um, you know, denigrate and say, "Oh, that's not architecture." No, it's not. It's not architecture in that traditional sense. But it's a extremely challenging and and I can say at this point rewarding, um, you know, endeavor to try to come up with a, a house design that works that way. So I would also, yeah, now, I would say it's not capital A architecture, but we also have to get over the the point that. Who would we rather have doing this? I mean, architects are the people who should be doing that, and they can right, solve absolutely. those problems better than anybody else. So, so why denigrate it at all? When because what's the alternative? The alternative is right. less architects doing that work, and that's not a good thing. We want more well, architects doing that kind of work, and that's where we are. I mean, that's <laughs> we are living that alternative. Yes, you're so, right. Yeah, and so that's why I've always said this is something that we should be doing. We should be, you know. Owning this market, right. you know, that, that, that's not something that would ever happen overnight. But, but um, you know, it, as people, you know, see more interesting houses, you know, that influences other people in the market. So they're not going to be, you know, perhaps not as influenced by, a, you know, a really expensive custom house that they don't think they'd ever afford. But if their neighbor builds a really interesting looking house, they did it, you know, from a house plan and they did it at a budget similar you know, to my own house, then it's like, well, why can't my house be interesting like that? And that's how it spreads from customer to customer, and we start to influence the market. Think about this. I mean, right now, people love the bungalow-style house, and they're like, oh, you know, I want this, or I want a craftsman-style house. I mean, how do those become so prevalent in the American arch- architectural uh, legacy? They were all house plans. You could order yep. them out of a catalog. <laughs> 
Yep, pattern books. Uh, pattern books. I mean, I've got a, tradition of that. Yeah, I've got a great uh, book on the uh, the Sears Craftsman houses. Mm. I mean, that's that's and now people are can't get more catalog than that. <laughs> exactly, but I mean, they they became such a, a integral part of like you know everybody is so nostalgic for these houses and they say, oh, I live in a in a Craftsman house. I'm like, oh, you mean a house that was bought out of a catalog that. Hundreds of other people own too, which yeah, is okay. But so, the, to to talk a little bit about how this plays out, my, my the most popular house for my catalog has been probably seventy five percent of the houses built for my catalog has been this one particular house design called the Platt House. Um, I have a version; it's a two bedroom, like a weekend cabin, um, and a three bedroom version, and this house has been built over a dozen times. Now, when have you ever designed something that's been yeah, built a really. dozen times? That's pretty and cool. That's an extremely compelling, you know, uh, um, situation where you can see how this house plays out in, in different people's hands, um, how they alter it to suit their site, how they alter it to suit their taste. And that's like the most exciting thing to me. Like, you would think, okay, I, I mean, I'd love to see the other house designs get built, but every time this house gets built again, it is like, wow, what, what's, what's it going to be like this time? You know? Yeah. And, uh, so that, that's like a really interesting, you know, situation. And I, I can't see how any architect that is interested in design wouldn't be fascinated and challenged and, and, uh, rewarded by, you know, working in that manner. So, um, I think, you know, there's, there's, there's a really, you know, great opportunity here. And also, you know, when done well and when house plans are selling, this is, can be, you know, a, a very profitable, um, you know, adjunct to, to your practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I have, I have developed a lot more than I have sold. So, you know, um, I can't say that I'm, you know, even, you know, in the black on, on my efforts here. But, um, I do know when house plans are selling and they have that additional income from it, it's a, you know, it is a, a great thing for your practice to be able to, um, to have that happening. So let's take a minute out of the show to thank our first sponsor. Would you like someone to draw CAD details for you, create BIM objects for you, write specifications for you? Would you like someone to do it for free RCAT has already done all of this for you. Search the RCAT libraries online for these products and more free of charge and no registration is required to download their content. RCAT has created a website devoted to you, the building professional, to find building product information fast and hassle-free. Check out RCAT today at RCAT.com. That is A-R-C-A-T dot Thanks, RCAT, for sponsoring the Speak podcast. One of the most interesting things about this whole endeavor that you have, Greg, to me, is that it's it's built up. You've built up this catalog that enables passive income to happen, which most architects don't have. Yeah. And usually, selling time for money is a losing proposition because of, and maybe it is too with with what you're doing because you are, like you said, you're you're in the red as far as effort versus versus payback, but. I think that the, that ability to wake up in the morning and see that you've sold one or two sets of house plans overnight to somebody anywhere in the world 
is something that most architects would love but haven't even considered that idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, first of all, I just have to qualify that you know right now you know we you know we've just come through you know a recession, and I have to say during that recession, not much sold at all. You know, nobody. Mm-hmm. You know, th- we're talking about. Look, you know, there isn't people that are going out to buy a house with a realtor. There aren't people that are going out to buy a house from a builder. This is a, you know, a much smaller percentage of the housing market. Somebody that is going to go to the trouble to say, I want to build just this kind of house. And so I'm going to go buy a plan and build it myself. So you're talking about a, a, a small number out of the housing industry. And, um, you know, People that have a lot of money can hire an architect to do a custom house. They may be building houses, you know, and the recession may be long over for them. But um, I do not see the confidence has returned to to this segment of the market yet. People may be buying houses, but there are not people like really sticking their neck out, um, you know, to build a custom house with a set of house plans that they bought. So I think this segment of the housing market still hasn't recovered yet. So. But, you know, that said, um, you know, when house plans were selling regularly, um, that allowed me to, you know, take time from, you know, normal practice routine to invest in expanding uh, my catalog. And as well, it allowed me to be more particular and selective on the commissions that I did accept because I could, you know, you sort of have a sense when when you you're writing a proposal, if this is going to be a difficult project or a profitable project. And if you are in a position where you can screen out projects that perhaps aren't as profitable that you otherwise would take simply to, you know, fill your time and to keep cash flow moving. Um, if you now have the ability to have more discretion about those, it makes the rest of your practice more profitable as well. So Greg, um, I wanted to ask you about the, the process. Um, what, what have in your experience, a client, um, uh, or a customer, really, I, I guess, has bought a set of plans. What what happens on their side? Um, I mean, do they hire? It, is there a contractor that finishes off the plans and gets their permits? Um, what, in your experience, have have you uh, found? Um, well, you know, we're we're used to working in areas that are heavily regulated, and we have a building permit application, and the plans are reviewed. Um, in places like that, the customer has to um, adapt the foundations and adapt, um, you know, the strength of the, f- the roof framing um, to suit local conditions. You know, there's certain things that always have to be specific to where you are. Foundation design is one of them. Frost depth is different in different places. Um, some places have seismic concerns. Um, above ground, we have, um, you know, snow load, which dictates the size of roof framing. Um, we also have wind concerns, again, lateral bracing. So in different places in the country, you need, um, you know, different treatments. So the plans have to be adapted. Now, um, that said, most customers tend to be someplace where there's very little oversight. And uh, in many cases, there's not even building permits. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't need to adapt the plans. They still need to do that. But very often this will be done by the builder simply by building um, according to practices that they're accustomed to building in their region. So in that case, the builder is simply adapting to what they're used to doing. And, um, um, you know, the framing size, they have to, you know, if there's a structural engineer they've worked with before 
or you know, simply going to the manufacturer of engineered framing so that they can get the proper size for reframing members. So now, what does that say about you know, what do we do as far as preparing the plans? Well, what I do is I prepare the plans with foundation designs and framing sizing all proper for my region. So if I have a customer that comes to me and says, I want to build one of your houses here, I don't have to do anything to adapt the plans because they're ready for my region. And that's really something I do just for you know my own convenience. Now, where I am, I'm outside of Philadelphia, so uh, we have a winter climate and uh, um, you know the design of our walls is, is, is particular for heating seasons. Um, we also have a pretty good summers, so um, you know we have concerns about um, summer conditions as well. We have snow, so we have snow load, not a high amount like you have you know going north. So uh, my region happens to be a good median, and uh, adapting a design that works here to go further north or to go further south um, is not such a radical change. So that that just happens to be you know uh, happenstance for me because. Um, you know, the factors that, that feed into, uh, um, you know, designing in my region are um, a good median. Um, but I design it that way just simply for the convenience of my, myself and for selling to customers in my region that they don't have to be adapted. Does that happen mostly? Do you, do you actually sell most of your plans to people in your region? No, actually, I've sold very few uh, to people in my region. Right now, there's one house under construction in central Pennsylvania, and that is the closest to home as, as any of them. Um, so you know, how far-reaching does your practice go? There's been a house in Maine. There's been a house in Hawaii. Nice. <laughs> that's very cool. Yeah, it is I mean, cool. and I think that's something that, that the Internet has really allowed to happen a lot more than uh, we're probably giving it credit to. I mean... House plants before were sold in magazines and distributed everywhere, right? But but for you as a single person designing these things, uh, that's pretty right. pretty awesome. Yeah, and and it's it's led to to opportunities where you know people have asked me to do a custom design in some far flung place where I would never, uh, you know, my practice never would have reached, and that's just come through um, you know marketing the house plans, you know, uh, on a wide basis. So. You know, it's been a it's been a a, a good um, you know influence on the rest of my practice as well. Now, when somebody has to modify the house plans for their region, now sometimes um, you know if it is in an area that's you know closely regulated with uh, you know building permits and plan examinations, very often they may ask you to help them with that. Um, or, you know, very often they want to make some, you know, change to the, the floor plan or the design in some way. And so um, that modification work also becomes a, a big part of the, uh, of the business. And, um, again, you try to, you know, offer those services in a, in a way that is, um, you know, profitable for you. And uh, that provides good work as well. So, Greg, what exactly are they buying? Do they buy a set of PDFs, uh, or do you send them a set of prints, or do they get CAD files um, to modify for yeah. their region? What, what exactly are you selling them? Well, I um, I'm not totally uh, on the on a par with with the house plan industry here. The house plan industry is eager to sell you prints. They're eager, eager to sell you CAD files and or PDF files. Um, if you want 
you know, the prints are all marked so that you can't copy them. They have copyright notices on them to, you know, um, which should or is supposed to prevent a copy shop from duplicating them. You know, so they, they want to sell you the prints. If you need more prints, they want to sell them to you. Um, I have a slightly different approach. I don't want to be the print shop for my customers. So I give them a license letter that allows them to, you know, take it to a, a, a copy shop and reproduce them as much as they need to build their house. Um, but at the same time, I don't sell any digital, um, products. I don't sell PDFs and I don't sell CAD files. And the reason why I don't do that is because, um, as we all know, there, there is no way to, um, control those digital products, um, once they are out. And, uh, so, you know, if you has, if you sell a PDF, Anybody could print as good a set of prints from a PDF as I can, and they would be indistinguishable from prints that I sold. So it, not that somebody can't take a print and scan it and make a PDF and sell it, but there will always be a degradation of quality. It will always be uh, fairly simple to identify whether something was scanned and reprinted versus um, an original print. And so I, I don't offer digital um, items simply because I can't control them. And I think the rest of the industry, they, they don't care so much about that because the designs are so generic. There is, there's no reason to uh, worry about somebody taking the design. I mean, the designs are, um, you know, they're, they're completely replaceable. I mean, it's okay. Why, you know, it's, there's another house plan for sale on another site that's almost identical. So I think when you're doing something unique and and distinctive, that uh, the concern about copying is, is different. And so I haven't been able to reconcile that. Um, the technology is just not up to preventing um, PDFs or CAD files from being copied and or distributed, you know, without permission. Okay, so when uh, when you've seen some of your di- designs modified, if you were not um, contracted to to do to make those modifications, I assume they're just kind of making them on the fly in the field and changing them as they see fit. Yeah, is that it, been it, your experience? The gamut. Some, I mean, there's the gamut. I've I've had customers that have hired a local architect, and he's nearly redrawn the entire set of plans to you know to alter it. Um, and I, I try to be open-minded with that. I mean, I say to that, that other architect, well, if, if you find another customer that wants to build the house as you've modified it, then, um, I'm happy to do that with you. I'd consider it another house plan sale and you can charge them whatever you want for your modification. So I try to turn it into an opportunity rather than trying to, you know, put limits on that, that secondary designer. Builders, I don't think, uh, are thinking so much to, uh, you know, to reproduce or build it again that way. I think for them, you know, at least for building one of my designs is sort of an unusual thing for them. Um, you know, if they find another customer that's interested in that house in, in, in the past, they've just uh, pointed them at my website. How do you, uh, how do you market it? Well, um, <laughs> right now, I just, on Arcaspeak. <laughs> no, I mean, I, our audience is architects here. Not, yeah, not, I know. That's uh, point buyers. But um, I marketed just through my website. When I started out, um, I, I purchased advertisements um, in uh, a couple of magazines. Primarily, I, I advertised in Dwell Magazine. Um, I did that for about a year and a half. 
Um, I also advertised in another magazine called Atomic Ranch, which mm-hmm. is about right. mid-century modern houses, um, for a shorter run. Um, I also advertised, uh, here's another magazine that I tried out. I think it's called Modernism. Um, and those, those ads were good, but um, it, I did it when I was starting up. And at that point, um, the advertisements consumed all the revenue I made from selling houseplants. So I did that for about you know a year and a half, and you know watched the traffic on my website, and um, then I just stopped advertising at one point. I didn't find that um, I could link sales specifically to the advertisements, um, but it certainly you know made for a tremendous number of inquiries and uh, you know the start of traffic on on my website, which helped the the position of the website and search engines and other things, which led to other people finding it. So although that was very, you know, indirect benefit of the advertising, um, it was, it was definitely helpful. And how long did it take for you to, since once you began to actually start to see sales and then how long have you been doing this? Well, God, sometimes I can't remember the dates. (laughs) (laughs) I totally get it. Yeah. I, I can uh, understand I'm going to the site history on my site and scrolling to the bottom. Okay, so I launched the site at the end of 2002. I started working on it and had the idea in 2001, started to, to work on you know, the idea of it, started to make sketches of house designs, started you know, the, the design and then the documents of my first house plan. After I had one house plan, I built the website and you know, decided how that would be structured, you know, wrote all the content for that. And I had only one house plan at that point. So That's all it takes, right? Uh, so before before you know launching and in- introducing the website, I um, you know, designed a couple of other houses, just put up the designs of them. The construction documents weren't done. Um, I think I probably had three plans published ready for sale before i started buying advertising um so that's not a lot of product you know um you you can't sell a lot of houses to a lot of people when you only have three choices (laughs) (laughs) but you know i at that point i was you know working on it hard this is something i did in my spare time every evening you know so um you know if you if you go back to the the history and you read your way through um you know i was Introducing new designs, introducing you know new construction plan sets uh, with some frequency. You know, I, I was selling at a lower price at that point as an introductory. When I got up to about six or so house designs, I you know raised my prices, um, and then uh, just continued to to develop them. When I started, I think the first sale was probably two thousand and three. Um, so a couple of years after I started, um, that, I think that house was not, you know, didn't actually w- built wasn't actually built into 2004, um, and so I also began to, you know, blog about it. And the owner would send me photographs. I would publish the photographs. I would um, write about what was going on, you know, describing the construction activity. I was doing that because, you know, we're, we're marketing to people who have never built a house before in all likelihood, and they don't know what it's like to build a house, and they don't know, you know, what's behind the, the plaster and the walls of their house. So mm-hmm. by describing construction, I was trying to make it uh, more familiar 
to to a potential buy, you know, customer so that they would be less afraid of the uh, notion of trying to build a house because they you know just read and watched in real time somebody else build their house and saw it come together so that that was part of it so you know blogging became a big part of my early marketing effort and um i i still blog and you know still publish all everything i get back from customers although i'm not blogging with the frequency i did at the beginning and again it was difficult to blog over the recession because there was not that much building going on (laughs) yeah yeah, there still isn't not nearly as much as there was. So, so from about two thousand four to two thousand seven, um, you know, sales continue to grow. I was selling you know one or two house plans a month. That doesn't sound like a lot, but um, that was actually you know a great you know level of sales. Um, I also sell design prints, which are um, basically like schematic design drawings, not something you can build from, but describe the house in more detail than what I had published in the catalog. And so I used to sell, you know, three or four sets of those a week. That was, they were actually, you know, a very, um, you know, lucrative product because who would buy those? They were um, relatively inexpensive, 100 or $200, depending on the size of the prints. And that got them, you know, in the customer's mind, that got them, you know, one step closer to, you know, building a house perhaps, got them a closer look at the design without, um, you know, committing to, you know, the, the several thousand dollars that construction prints were sold for. Um, and so, um, you know, that was a great sort of, uh, you know, product. So in comparison to now, I'm selling, you know, two or maybe three plans per year and uh, one or two design prints per month. So the market is still, you know, very retarded from where it was. Um, and so the run-up, you know, the 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 plans that were sold prior to the, to the um, you know, the fallout in the market, you know, there was some momentum there and, you know, customers were still building houses, you know, through 2008, 2009. Then there was, you know, a real dead period, although there were, were people who continued to, you know, buy some plans and still build houses. So we still had some, you know, activity and, uh, you know, lots to show through the recession. And actually, even though things are sort of like perked up now, they're probably still like coasting through um, the downtime of the recession now. And uh, new customers haven't uh, really turned up yet, you know, to to pick up the activity and bring new projects into the fold, even though the economy is much better. So, Greg, I'm curious, have, have you done uh, CDs for all of your plans now or um – because you said you don't sell all of them uh, or haven't sold all of them. So have you have you done or have you just kind of done the plans and then maybe if somebody does buy one, then you'll generate the CDs for that? I have most of them done. I'm looking at the catalog right now. I think right now I have one or two houses that construction prints aren't done for. Um, and then I, I have a product for a row house, which is... Um, actually a family of products. I don't have any of those done yet, but that's a, that's a different story that that's something that's meant to be uh, a design that's adaptable to, um, party wall lines and, you know, different width lots. I I don't want to get too, too distracted by that, but that, that was sort of a design problem that I was trying to tackle, um, since I started this, um, you know, the fact that row houses tend to be very specific because, 
Um, you have a hard limit on on the site. You know the houses can join on the sidewall, so you know a house plan can't be you know fit onto the site if if it's the wrong dimension. So um, so I created a family of house designs as row houses that have plans that are adaptable that they can be stretched you know one to two feet in either direction, um, which means they can be adapted to uh, sites that are a variety of widths. So. The, the the outcome of that is there's a family of, of house designs in, in three widths on two-foot increments that all can be adjusted a foot in each direction to give you a complete range from 12 feet up to like 22 feet. And so the fallout of that is like 48 different house plans. <laughs> so I don't have you know construction documents, and I will not create construction documents of those until there is a buyer. And then, you know, as that family gets fit out, then it'll be, you know, easier and faster to create the variations. But, um, but that, that practice of, of completing the construction drawings on demand for customers, something that I do, the last house plan I sold was for a design called the X house one. I had not completed the, um, the plans for that when the, the, Customer inquired, you know, look, I, I think I'd like to build this house, but I know you don't have the construction prints done. You know, when do you think they'll be done? And what I say is, well, w- what we do is you give me four to six weeks, you know, so I can weave this into, you know, the rest of the work in my practice and um, give me a deposit, which is half of the house plan cost. And then I will create the, the house plan set. And when I'm done and ready to ship, I'll bill you for the balance. And that's what I did. You know, then the customer has assurance that the plans are coming, and uh, um, it gives me enough time to get them completed. And uh, it worked out great. That house is built. It's in Indiana. So I have another, a last, not, not a last question, but uh, a big question. How did you determine your pricing? Say, like when you started, you mentioned uh, after you got a few plans together, you then um, raised your prices. So I'm, I'm curious. There's probably a lot of our listeners going. How did you figure out how much how to price this? Yeah, now, how would well, an architect price plans online? I, I started out pricing it at the upper range of what I saw, you know, in the market, and I thought I that's what I needed to do to start. Because even though my my product proposition was very different from from conventional house plans, I was going into that market and people, frankly, at that point, there weren't really a lot of alternatives. So, um, you know, so I, I priced it very similar. They started out in the range of, you know, $1,200. Um, and when, as I said, the first year I offered them for less than that as a, uh, a starting, um, offer. Um, <clears throat> but when I had, uh, you know, a, a good number of houses built by customers and, um, I had some momentum. Um, I reevaluated the pricing and and raised it significantly. And, and it was to position it somewhere between the cost of a house plan and the cost of a custom design. So there's a wide gulf there. <laughs> As you know, I mean, house plans can you know be two hundred and fifty dollars. Expensive house plans can be you know maybe up to twenty five hundred dollars. Um, custom designs. Now, if you're going to an architect, there's certainly residential designers and you know house designers that um, sell custom designs very cheaply. But if you want 
you know, something that has a particular aesthetic and uh, you have a, you know, a specific interest, um, you know, the, the kind of niches I was describing earlier in our talk today, I, I think you were talking about a fairly, you know, sizable design fee, you know, in the order somewhere between five to 10% of construction costs, right? So you're talking about, you know, a number that could be, you know, easily, you know, you're talking about a five digit number, right? So, right. right. So to position a, a cost of a house plan can still be a tremendous value compared to custom design, um, can fall somewhere in that range between a couple of thousand dollars and, you know, five digits, we're talking $10,000 and up. So currently I'm selling my plans for uh, $4,750. And I find customers have no qualms about that. Um, I, I have, I cannot say that I, I think I've had one inquiry where they attempted to negotiate a lower price for me, which I, you know, simply didn't entertain. Um, but I think people understand, you know, when what they're getting, you know, um, you know, as a value, and they 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 have no qualms and see that as a you know a reasonable cost. Well, it it seems like one of the the key takeaways I have from from what you've done, Greg, is that this is obviously an alternative path to what most architects think of as practice, and I'm it seems like it is made you think about this a lot more like a business than many design studios go out and when they first start think about because you've got products you've got all these different kind of options you've got plans to create it seems like you you kind of know what you have to do every day where where maybe if a traditional architect doesn't have anything to do if they don't have a client um yeah. you, you mostly don't have clients right you're mostly creating this stuff and then you're selling this stuff on the side so maybe you could just speak a little bit about how much of a business this really has been to you and how, how, do, how you treat it? Yeah, well, when it was at, at its height, it was probably, you know, got up to about, you know, 40% of my, you know, my overall, um, you know, gross um, fee generated in my practice. So, you know, it, it never, you know, it never became bigger than my, my custom practice, but it certainly, you know, when it was, at that level, I, you know, it certainly had my attention, <laughs> you know, because that, that, that was a, uh, you know, I, I think that 40% was coming with a lot less effort than the 40% of the other 60%. <laughs> if that, does that make any sense? Yeah. Right. You know, so, so it potentially, it was a lot more profitable. Um, now I turned that, that profit back into expanding, you know, the venture and, you know, creating more product and uh, spending more time on, you know, blogging and, and marketing it. Um, but those were all, you know, investments in, in, in growing it. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that I would ever, um, want to, to, uh, concentrate solely on the house plans, but, you know, I do think that it, 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 as a business model, it gives you other opportunities that are are not um, possible with a conventional practice. For instance, um, if we ever decided to relocate, um, this is a part of my business that I can take where, wherever I you know decide I want to live. Um, whereas you know to move would be to sort of uh, you know flush 
um, my con- you know all of my uh, momentum on my conventional practice down the toilet. Right. Um, so, um, I think That's having, yeah, I think having that as a, you know, as a way to, um, you know, um, you know, make your, your business portable is, is something that, uh, you know, architects, we really don't get unless your practice becomes so big that you're, you know, uh, servicing a region or, uh, you know, can reach out and, and, you know, practice at a national level, um, you got to live in the region where you're working, or you don't really have any customers. Yeah, that's a, that's that's awesome. I, maybe you can just we can wrap up, Greg, and you can just tell people where um, they can see more about you. Uh, you just give out kind of your uh, your Twitter handle, your website, the things that say the most, so people could look more into yeah, doing okay, something to, like this. Yeah, my website is lamydesign.com. It's l a m i d e s i g n dot com, and the house plan catalog is just a a subdirectory of that, so it's lamydesign.com slash plans. So all all my sort of web presence lives under that lamydesign.com. So my regular practice is on that landing page is my regular practice. I own my office building, so I have a property management LLC that runs my uh, office building. So I have uh, have that there as well. I have the, this crazy thing about building houses with shipping containers as well. <laughs> nice. So. Um, so that's what you'll find at LamyDesign.com. So the lower left is the house plans that takes you into the you know the catalog, which has its own landing page. Um, you visit a house plan catalog; it's usually all about the search engine. You know, how many bedrooms do you want? How many square feet? You know, and then it sorts through the ten or twenty thousand house plans that they sell. So I don't have that search engine because I don't have that many house plans. And actually, part of you know the strategy here is forcing people to browse and. Uh, um, so the, the catalog for now, you know, starts with this just series of thumbnails that gives you a, you know, peek at what the house looks like and then, um, different kinds of categories, um, uh, that allow you to sort the, the designs into, um, situations that might be relevant to you, houses in a, you know, in the suburbs, houses in the country. Um, so, uh, and then, also sorted by their looks, you know, the original collection, um, have the X house collection. So I've sort of, you know, chronologically, um, you know, shifted, um, the styling cues, um, in the houses to, uh, to build those groups. Um, so, um, so that's, so the, the, the site's a little designed a little bit more for engagement rather than searching. Um, so check out those, those links. And I've always tried to, um, you know, be, very uh, you know, open and helpful to other architects that have had questions. Um, when I set out to do this, there were um, a couple of architects that um, gave me a great coaching and great assistance. I'll, I'll tell you, one was Steve Muzan, who you might recognize his name. He's a you know very much a leader in um, green design and green planning. Um, I know him. Know him. Yeah, well. yeah. So he's he's had a uh, he used to publish plans through Southern Living. Yeah. I'm sure he probably still has all his plans in those catalogs and still, you know, making income from them. So he gave me a lot of great advice back then. And then there's a small house plan publisher. Uh, he's in South Carolina or North Carolina. Rick Thompson, who, um, you know, doesn't sell through any of the big uh, house plan sites. He has his own uh, site. So a little shout out to Rick. Um, he was a, you know, a great um, uh, mentor advisor to me when I, you know, contacted him way back when and said, Exactly. How do you do this? <laughs> <laughs> and he has a great collection of designs. Um, 
um, you know, traditional um, smaller houses, really uh, sort of aimed at um, small builders, developers. Um, he also publishes uh, quantity surveys, which are something you know builders like to get because it uh, helps them with their takeoffs. So he's always uh, sort of directed his uh, his product line that way. Um, and uh, so um, you, check uh, them out too. Are you familiar with uh, Allison Ramsey Architects? No, don't know that. They name. Uh, they check them out because they're from uh, South Carolina and. They do a lot of house planning as well. Um, I met Steve Muzan through my work oh. when I was uh, down in Florida, and we were doing uh, working with new urbanist communities and stuff like that, right, and right. Um, and became familiar with a lot of architects who offer house plans um, through their websites. Uh, Allison Ramsey being one of them, uh, Steve Muzan, and, and others. Um, and uh, so, you know, there's that, that niche of the more traditional and then, you know, there's the, you know, people like you who've got the niche of the more modern and stuff. But it's good to see architects out there kind of really pushing, you know, yeah. good design. There, there, are, there are a lot of, you know, independents out there. Um, they're harder to find because, you know, any, any search for house plans, the results are always dominated oh, yes. by, by you know, large vendors. Um, <laughs> But even even the the designers that sell through the large vendors have their own websites and sell direct. Um, and you know when you're trying to figure this out, um, I, and this is what I did is I spent a tremendous amount of time on on these other sites, seeing how they organized, and you know thinking about you know who I was trying to sell to, and and um, you know what to take away. Um, so that you know there's a lot more to uh, you know to think about there, but, um, uh, there's, there's always the opportunity to publish your plans through one of the larger sites. Um, but of course you're, then your plans are going into, you know, a sea of thousands of plans, yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's a, you know, that's a hard, hard place to be selling. Um, I have one distributor that, um, that, um, sells only some of my plans, not all of them. Um, and that's houseplans.com. And uh, I agreed to sell with them because they were taking a, a progressive approach to um, uh, trying to establish a, they, they called it an exclusive collection. But w- what it came down to is that um, they were going to sell at least a group of their plans based on, you know, leveraging the designers and letting the designers, you know, express a brand um, rather than, you know, most of the other plan sites. Um, they don't want to do that. They don't want the, you know, the designer to be part of the identity of the product. They just want all of the product, you know, dropped into the the mix and, uh, to suppress the individuality as much, as much as possible. Um, mm-hmm. so, so I, I, you know, I think houseplans.com was moving in a direction that I agreed with. I mean, I think, uh, you know, um, a big part of the selling is the story that you, um, you know, attached to each house and what the design is about. And I think, uh, you know, that, that becomes an important part of attracting the customer is, is, you know, they want to know about the backstory. They want to know about, you know, what this house is about, what was the designer thinking about? Um, and the fact that, you know, to sell in most of those, those large sites, all of that is simply ignored is, I, I don't think that's a good thing for designers. It's a good thing for selling house plans because, um, 
becomes more and more of a commodity. But I think, uh, you know, as architects that are thinking about what we're designing, we want that story to be part of the way you sell the house plans. Right. Absolutely. So the big challenge then for the independent is building traffic, you know, and attracting people. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm not, you know, the best guy um, to talk about strategies for, you know, um, building traffic and, and, you know, attracting people to your site. I mean, some of that is, is content. Some of that is, you know, web magic, SEO, and all that other business. I can't really speak to that. But, um, you know, I've put a lot of time into, uh, you know, writing and marketing and, uh, you know, um, publishing on my website in order to build traffic. For the most part, it's, uh, you know, it's always slowly increased. Yeah, well, it's definitely an opportunity that, as we were mentioning it earlier, um, that other architects could use and and um, and more architects should be involved in. So um, I do like the idea of the, the whole passive income too. So as, uh, as architects are looking for additional revenue sources, uh, this is uh, certainly a potential. And, uh, you know, you and, and some of the others that you, you mentioned here are certainly uh, showing the way of how, how it can be done and how hopefully architects can become more involved in the process. So, uh, definitely appreciate you coming on to the show, Greg. Uh, you know, we've talked about this for, for a while, and I'm finally glad we were able to make it happen. Yeah, I'm thrilled. It's been great. Yeah, so thank you let, so much. Let's get everybody out there and shake up this industry. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Call to action. That's right. Absolutely. So uh, if you have questions or comments about this episode or anyone else, um, you know, visit the website at arcuspeakpodcast.com. And uh, you'll find links to our Twitter accounts where you can uh, talk to all of us. And we'll have Greg's uh, Twitter account in the show notes um, and uh, our link to our Facebook page if you want to engage with us there over this topic. And uh, the episode I had mentioned earlier uh, uh, in this particular episode that we that kind of started us off on all of this with the Handley Wood stuff was episode 29, Plans Are Us. So uh, definitely... Uh, Take a listen to that episode uh, be either uh, before or after this one, uh, so you can kind of figure out uh, what kind of launched us off into this uh, into this one. And if you've got want to leave us an audio comment, uh, please remember to call Arcuspeak at four one five four eight four eight four nine six. And also want to shout out to uh, our sponsor, Arcat. Uh, so please remember to visit them. We really appreciate their support of the show. They're at a r c a t dot com and if you haven't already done so please remember to leave us a review on itunes we definitely appreciate those as well so everyone thanks uh for listening to this one and thanks uh again to uh greg being on the show appreciate it a pleasure and mm-hmm. look for the arca speak homes uh coming soon <laughs> <laughs> all right all right thanks guys bye-bye thanks bye Cause my kind of luck I'll be up on the block from-
I know